With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome back, everybody, to our new episode of Kicking with Keyword here on Full Press Radio, episode number 62. Happy to be back with you once again this week on the night before Super Bowl 55 down in Tampa, Florida. Chiefs and Buccaneers, of course, this first segment is going to be all about the Super Bowl. And, of course, we're going to be joined later on in the next segment by Braden Holacek. He's the managing editor of Full Press Chiefs. He was on... Last year with us, with uh, Ryan Adverderado from Full Press 49ers, we did a collaboration preview. Uh, we had Ian Glendon from Full Press Bucks on in the wildcard game, so I only thought it was fair to have Braden on for this episode. So Braden will join me. We'll get a look ahead to the game more in-depth from the Chiefs' side, as they look to be the first team since the Patriots in 2003-2004 to win back-to-back Super Bowls. We'll get into Trevor Bauer going to the Dodgers and pulling off the ultimate Troll move, I feel, in baseball, but a lot of other signings in baseball this week we'll, we'll touch on. And NBA and NHL dealing with coronavirus issues. Should there even be an all-star game in the NBA? And the latest in college basketball, including a weird rivalry game tonight that has more meaning but for the wrong reason. Going to get into that. Hope you're all staying safe. Hope you're all wearing a mask and following social distancing. We'll try to get through COVID-19 together. And if you're in the Northeast or the Midwest... More snow, so hope you got everything you needed. And if you don't need to go out, don't go out. If you get the bad snowstorm going on. Want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter at thecanadier555. Again, it's at R-I-C-K, letter I, Nader like a Terminator, and three fives. You can tweet us on Twitter at FP underscore coverage or at Full Press Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes, wherever you get your podcast. Chances are Kicking with Keeler is there. Be sure to give us a rating. I hope it's five stars, but I want to hear from you. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like. What 
what guests you'd want to see, what do you want me to talk about. I'm always open to questions, comments. You can email me as well, rickjkeeler at gmail.com. And you can also download the full press coverage app on your iOS or Android device. All of our articles, podcasts, live radio shows, radio shows, which I'll tell you more about later, are on this app. It's great. We highly recommend it. In case you miss any of my show, why would you? Because you're listening now. But if you maybe go away for a little bit and want to come back, and you can always go to the app, and the latest episode is always there. So Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, you, you all know the, the, the storylines by now. Uh, we've had it for two weeks. Last week we looked at it a little bit brief, briefly because when there's two weeks leading up to a game, I tend to not try to focus on it the first week, and I'll look into it more the second week. And as I'm thinking to this game this week, and, and I'm going to be honest, I had a tough time making a prediction for this one because... As you all know who have listened to the show for this past 61 episodes or know me away from the podcast, I'm a Patriot fan. I'm a big Tom Brady fan. So the question I think you're all wondering is, Ricky, how did you distinguish heart from head in this game? And I look at this matchup, right? And everybody's – first off, I'm sick of the narratives all week – I'm glad we're finally getting to the game tomorrow because you got comparisons on ESPN to Patrick Mahomes being Michael Jordan, the GOAT versus the future GOAT. Again, I don't hate Patrick Mahomes. I hate the narrative surrounding Patrick Mahomes. He's 25. He's only been in the league for three years. Three years in the game, practically. And you're already crowning him the future go to the league? It's not easy to make the Super Bowl every year, people. Just because Patrick Mahomes gets here this year does not necessarily guarantee he's going to be there next year. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to get there the year after that. And if he is, the guy he's playing against didn't lose a playoff game until 2005. So, I don't blame Patriot fans for not liking the narrative because... Even if you don't want to root for Tom Brady, and Patriot fans are rooting for the Bucks solely because they'd be the dynasty defenders. Tom Brady squashed the Rams dynasty, the greatest show on turf, squashed the Seahawks dynasty when they were a yard from back-to-back Super Bowls, and has a chance to squash this one for the time being. We're so quick to crown players when there's still a whole lot of time in their career to go. And Tom Brady, the bar, I feel, constantly gets pushed further and further back. And I get it. He's a polarizing figure. You all love him or hate him, depending on if you love or hate the Patriots. You can't keep pushing the bar back. And you're talking about how Tom Brady is the greatest team player, greatest player in a team sport. Why can't he be in the greatest athlete competition? I'm always, I was confused by that this week, where Patrick Mahomes gets compared to Michael Jordan, but why not Tom Brady? Why can't Tom Brady be in that debate? This is something that bothered my mind this week. But let's look at the actual game. I don't think home field plays an advantage in this game because even though the Chiefs are flying in today, I don't. the Chiefs have treated this like a traditional week. They're practicing at home. They're getting prepared at home. Tampa Bay is going to spend Saturday night in a hotel prepping for the Super Bowl. So you had media day with Zoom. You had all the Zoom press conferences and things like that this week that 
there isn't that buzz around this game. It's still there's a buzz around the Super Bowl, but there's not the typical buzz, and that's just from the craziness and the what times are in right now. So the level of, of spark is down on this game to a degree. Doesn't mean the game won't be good. The hype level is down. But I look at it for this for the Chiefs and how do they win this game? And if you look back at week twelve, which I've been doing a lot this week, and you'll hear in the segment with Braden, we kinda look back and he gives his takeaways from that game and what he whether he looks more at the first half or the second half. Remember the Chiefs had a 17-0 lead in the first half, first quarter, and led 20-7 to at the half. Dominated the first half. Tom Brady throws two picks in the third quarter, and the Bucks still only lose 27-24. But you look at this game more in detail, and there are a couple stats that Tampa Bay has to win in order to win this game. One would be third downs. We saw him do a really good job against the Packers in the NFC Championship, moving the chains, keeping the Aaron Rodgers off the field. In Week 12, the Bucks combining 3rd and 4th down were 4 out of 10. Chiefs were 6 for 12. The Bucks have to win that battle. I've seen people say Tampa Bay can win this game in a shootout. I don't feel that way. Not that Tom Brady can't score 30 points. I believe Tom Brady can score 30 points. But the Chiefs want you to play a shootout. They want more possessions. So for Tampa, I feel it's got to be a balance. They've got to be able to run the football, which they only did 13 times in Week 12. and They've got to be able to run it about 20, 25 times. You've got to mix in Leonard Fournette and Ronald Jones. I'm not saying turn Brady into a game-managing quarterback. What I'm saying is you've got to be able to put yourself in 3rd and 4, 3rd and 5 and keep moving the chains. Score touchdowns, but score them on 6, 7-minute drives. If Arians feels he needs to go for on 4th down, go for on 4th down. Take your chances. And we know Arians isn't afraid to take risks. He's that kind of play. He's kind of offensive mind as a head coach. He will take risks in this game. The other stat to look at is penalties. These two teams, I don't think this will be the case tomorrow. 18 penalties for a combined 149 yards. It's a lot of penalties. And you think in the Super Bowl, they're not going to call a combined 18 penalties. Usually you let the team play. Uh, last year was around, I think, like less than 70 penalty yards in the Niners-Chiefs game. Both these teams had almost more than that in this Week 12 matchup alone. I think that'll be a different thing. But Tampa's got to win the penalty battle. We know from Tom Brady's days with the Patriots, they didn't really usually commit penalties. But obviously with the Buccaneers, a lot of these players in their first Super Bowl, penalties can be a factor. Chiefs have experience in this game. The third thing is time of possession. And it kind of goes where I go with the balance here. Tampa Bay only had 23 minutes of time of possession in the first game. The Chiefs had 30, almost 37. About 36 minutes, 47 seconds. And this is a very chief team that only ran the ball 20 times in that first matchup. Patrick Mahomes had 49 passing attempts. And the Chiefs had the ball for 14 more minutes. That can't happen if the Bucks want to win. If you're the Chiefs, you kind of replicate the same formula because I don't know if you're going to get any running game here. Darrell Williams, as good of a running back he's been for the Chiefs, only ran it 13 times in the AFC Championship game. 
Clyde Edwards Alaria don't know how healthy he is. They haven't gotten really much from Le'Veon Bell at all. So this is going to be a game where you rely on your wide receivers. Maybe short passes to Tyreek Hill, who had that big game in Week 12. 13 catches for 269 and three touchdowns. Maybe a screen gets him 15, 20 yards. Maybe you use Kelsey underneath. You mix in Sammy Watkins. Mix in Miko Harden with some reverses. Mix in Demarcus Robinson. Mix in uh, Pringle. They've got so many different weapons at their disposal that makes this Chief offense difficult to stop. You can contain. We've seen the Chiefs kind of get off to slow starts. We've seen like the Bills game where they get down 9 nothing. We see the Browns game that was close. The Chiefs don't cover spreads. We've seen that this year, although the spread is only three. But Kansas City, was great as they've been this year, a lot of the time their B-plus game beats a team's A-minus game or a something like that. If you're the Bucks, you've got to play a perfect game. And that's it. I won't say an issue for Tom Brady, but he had 12 interceptions this season, and th- he had three last week against the Packers. He had two against the Chiefs in the big spots. He's got to avoid the interception. Tom Brady has to play mistake-free football to win this game. Is it impossible? No. But for an offense that relies on the deep ball, We've seen Brady throw the ball downfield, especially on play action, to Evans, to Godwin, to a guy in Scotty Miller who I think is going to play a big impact in this game. I think Scotty Miller can be what Danny Amendola has been in the past for Tom Brady. How much does Gronk get involved? Gronk had six catches in that first game. He hasn't really had many pass targets in the playoffs. Is Brady saving him for this game? I'm not sure, but Cameron Brady is more of the pass-catching tight end than Gronk has. But Brady's got to play mistake-free football. It's their only opportunity. Which, to play mistake-free football, I think you're looking at Brady making about 35, 40 attempts in this game. If Brady's throwing the ball 50, 55 times, the Bucks aren't winning. There's got to be a good mix, and I think Ronald Jones, to me, is the X factor in this game. Leonard Fournette has emerged as the better running back in the playoffs. We haven't seen much of Ronald Jones. I don't know if that's because of injury or by design. Against the Packers two weeks ago, he only ran it 10 times for like 16 yards. And then you go back to week 12, Jones in that game actually had a good game. He had a 34-yard run, which helped the numbers, but nine carries for 66 yards, and he had a 37-yard catch for a touchdown. And through injuries and, and things of that nature, Ronald Jones hasn't been as effective down the stretch. Can Ronald Jones make that big play? Can he be James White for Tom Brady? Or has James White all of a sudden become Leonard Fournette? But the Bucks need both of those running backs to be effective. Now, if it comes to head coaching, in the edge there, I give it to Andy Reid. I think Andy Reid's a better coach than Bruce Arians. To me, what's interesting also about this game is the chess match defensively. You got Todd Bowles for Tampa Bay. He's done a really good job down up blitzes and things of that nature. And you got Steve Spagnuolo for the Chiefs. And Steve Spagnuolo is a name that's familiar to you. He was a defensive coordinator in Super Bowl 42 when the Giants upset the Patriots. Which we've seen a lot of this week when you go back to past Super Bowls. So how Spagnuolo and Bowles call this game, because I think this game can be decided with a defensive play, an interception, a fumble, because both these quarterbacks know how to get the job done. We know how good Mahomes is. We know how good Brady is. 
to me, it comes down to who gets the ball last. And the reason I say this, look at a Tom Brady Super Bowl. Outside of that first half of Super Bowl 51 against the Falcons, every game's close. The biggest margin of victory in a Tom Brady Super Bowl in nine of these things is 10 points. Albeit, Patriots, Buccaneers, two totally different things, and you have to always quantify that when you talk about these kind of things. It's hard to see that trend changing. I don't think the Bucks will get blown out in this game. I'm giving you my X factor for Jones and the Buccaneers side for the Chiefs. I, I think it could be Miko Hardman. I think you could see Hardman used in the reverse game. You could see Hardman used in the return game. Remember, he had a fumble on a kickoff two weeks ago. That could always play a big difference in this game. You fumble on special teams, that can always play a factor. You also look at the kicking game. I think the Chiefs have the edge there with Buckner over uh, Ryan Suckup. A lot of things working in Kansas City's advantage. So my pick for this game, for those who listened last year, I got the exact score of the Super Bowl, and I'm not expecting to get the exact Super Bowl score again. I always view that as a fluke. If I get it two years in a row, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna be going nuts and, as I watch this game. I love the people though that say don't go against TV12, and yet they pick against the Bucks anyway. I think this game is gonna be great. I think this game's gonna come down to the end of the game. The Chiefs are gonna have the lead late in the fourth quarter. Tom Brady's going to get the ball. He's going to drive him down the field. And he's going to throw a touchdown to Chris Godwin with less than a minute to go. And the Buccaneers are going to hang on. They're going to win 27-23. 27-23 is what we're going with here. I think, and you're saying, wow, Ricky, the Chiefs are going to only score 23 points. I give a lot of credit to guys like Shaq Barrett, Devin White, Jason Pierre-Paul. The Bucks have a lot of talent on that front seven, Vita Vea. Now, the Chiefs, what I'm interested in is their offensive line without Eric Fisher at left tackle. Now, they do, luckily, the Chiefs get Daniel Kilgore, the backup center, back after contact tracing. With Remember the whole thing with the barber this past week. This is another issue. I think looking at Kansas City, looking at the way they play the game, you have opportunities to get to Patrick Mahomes. You can't stop him. You can contain him enough to hold him under 30 points. If the Chiefs if the Chiefs get to 30, they win this game. The only time this year, I believe, where the Chiefs scored over 30 and lost was the Vegas game. That was back in week five. Chiefs scored 32 and lost 40-32. You look at the weeks they've scored 30. Week one, they beat Houston 34-20. Week three, beat the Ravens 34-20. Week uh, against Denver in week seven, 43-16. Week eight against the Jets, 35-9. Panthers, 33-31. Raiders, the Chiefs won 35-31. Dolphins, 33-27. Saints, 32-29. In both losses, they scored 21. The other loss was 21 of the Chargers. That doesn't really matter because Chad Henney was quarterback. If the Chiefs get 30, they win. If they don't, they lose. 
Because I think Tom Brady can get the Bucks, maybe not into the 30s, and get them into the high 20s. So I think Tom Brady wins this game, gets his seventh Super Bowl in 10 tries, further enhances his GOAT legacy, which I don't think changes even if he loses this game. I don't think it diminishes Patrick Mahomes' legacy if he loses this game either. It was a good meme I saw this week. I forget where I saw it. But I know somebody from Pat's Pulpit from SB Nation has retweeted it. Look at Russell Wilson. Missed the, lost in the playoffs one year, won the Super Bowl the second time, then lost to Tom Brady in the Super Bowl. Does Pat Mahomes follow that same pattern? I think we'll find out. But again, he's only 25. He's got a long way to go. Losing to Tom Brady doesn't exactly ruin your GOAT chances or your future GOAT, baby GOAT, whatever the heck it is. It doesn't change anything. Does this, and if Andy Reid can get a second Super Bowl, helps his coaching legacy for sure. So I'm looking forward to this game. It caps a crazy year in the NFL. And I was listening to Bamani Jones this week. Um, I was writing an article for Barrett Sports Media and Bamani Jones was on Inside the NFL on Showtime with Jim, uh, James Brown, Phil Sims, and Ray Lewis. And they were talking about COVID-19, social justice, and the Rooney Rule. And talking about COVID-19, Bamani Jones said about the, the article. I'm going to try to pull this up for you real quick. I think he was basically saying how he didn't feel the NFL it would go as smoothly as it did that they get to this point. And the quote I got from Bamani for this story is let's see, we got to use this one. Uh, when Ray Lewis talked about the risks for players, we're not going to know for a long time what those risks were. What we did have a situation where players knew as much as they could what the risks were and they decided to go forward with it. And I think it makes a lot of sense because the players knew the risk going in. Now, again, I don't think it was a surprise that they went through with it. I'm not going to pat on the back for it, though. They, just, they, they deserve credit. The players deserve credit. The owners, the coach, they all deserve credit. But there were times where we all questioned what the NFL was, was doing. And I think when we get to the segment later in the show, we're going to question what the NBA has been doing. We're going to question what the NHL has been doing. All leagues are not without reproach in this. But we're here. We're all going to enjoy the Super Bowl. It's going to feel different. Uh, but hopefully next year things will be a lot. I won't say back to normal. I'll say at least close to normal. But this is a new normal we're in. So coming up, we're going to be joined by Brayden Holacek from Full Press Chiefs. We're going to get into everything Super Bowl, everything on the Chiefs side. You're going to get more in-depth breakdown. Brayden does a fantastic job. And then coming up after that segment, we'll do some baseball. We're going to talk about... Trevor Bauer, as the Dodgers look to be the prohibitive favorite going into the World Series next year. And we're going to get into why baseball can never seem to get along and why they can't seem to agree on everything. That's coming up next. Stay tuned. You're listening to Kick McKeeler here on the Full Press Radio Network. Be right back with my conversation with Braden Halchek. 
Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, lo. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Swimsuit? Check. Sunscreen? Check. Phone charger? Check. Don't forget to pack the 5-Hour Energy. It fits great in a pocket or carry-on, and the alert feeling will help you arrive ready for anything. Now get 20% off when you use code 5HETRAVEL at 5HourEnergy.com. Expires April 30th. One-time use only, not valid with other discounts. Remember, visit 5HourEnergy.com and use code 5HETRAVEL to save 20%. And join us now here on Kicking with Kira to help preview Super Bowl 55 in Tampa, Florida this Sunday. He is the managing editor of Full Press Chiefs. You heard him last year. Well, the Chiefs are back in it, so he's back on the show again. Braden Holacek is here. Braden, how you been? I'm doing really good. Uh, thanks for having me, Ricky. Of course, uh, just kind of crazy to see after so many years, obviously, of Kansas City struggling that, you know, they're in this point again uh, for a chance at a Super Bowl. So, I've been uh, just telling as many fans as I can to just enjoy this time because uh certainly been a long time coming for a lot of these fans that are uh, enjoying it right now. So what do you make of this Chiefs team this year? Because I think Braden looking at Kansas City, they haven't been as dominant, but I feel like when you watch them play this year, their B-minus game is pretty much everybody's A-plus game. Am I right on that? Yeah, I think so. And it's, it's kind of funny going back to, uh, you know, at the end of the regular season, Travis Kelsey kind of threw the comment out there on, uh, Shannon Sharp's podcast of just how tough it was for them to be patient during the regular season and knowing that the postseason is when they were kind of, uh, gonna kind of reach their next gear, so to speak. So all those close games in the regular season, um, were frustrating for sure at times. But when you look at what they've done in the playoffs, I think it's just kind of when you look at maybe, uh, LeBron James, say, in the NBA or or some other top scorers at, at, in other sports. It's just right now they, they have the belief that no matter what they do, um, they're going to be able to score even if you get the team's best shot. So I think right now they're just playing their best football at the right time, uh, even though some of these opponents they've faced have, you know, come in with their best seasons in a long time as well. So I think you're exactly right there for sure. Yeah, I think the weird thing about the Chiefs is – they're one of those teams that they tell you in sports that you can't rely on flipping the switch. Well, when you've done it as much as they have, they get when they get down nine against the Bills, they just rack up 21 straight points. Uh, when they're behind against a team early on, 10 nothing, they just get 14 points in a dime. We saw it in Week 12, and we'll talk more about that game in a little bit, where they score 17 in the first quarter. They just have the ability, even when they're down, just kick you out of your element. And honestly, Braden, they do it being a one-dimensional offense, and that's kind of a... We're so used to balance that a one-dimensional offense, I haven't seen one thrive this much since I don't think they're like the 07 Patriots, but they're as one-dimensional as that team seemed to be. Yeah, and it's just, it's kind of comes in spurts for some different guys. I mean, Tyreek Hill, I think at times this season was kind of the more reliable guy for Mahomes and Kelsey, and then Kelsey turns it on a little bit here and there uh, a little more. So it's kind of just, I think, also the depth that this team has uh, even with an offensive line that's struggled and is obviously now banged up, um, 
I think it just goes to show when you have that franchise quarterback and you can rely on him. Uh, Patrick Mahomes, I mean, just hearing what he said this week too, uh, being, you know, talked about comparing uh, himself to Tom Brady a little bit in this matchup when he's been asked. It's just knowing that he has the belief that he can win uh, as long as there's time on the clock. I think that just goes to show how much the Chiefs can rely on him and, and the passing offense as a whole uh, throughout the entirety of the game for sure. Yeah, I'm not going to get into that because I'm kind of sick of the goat versus future goat, <laughs> goat versus baby goat, whatever it is. And it's not that I hate, I don't hate Mahomes at all. I hate the coverage of it because right. as yeah. great as Mahomes has been, I mean, this is only, I mean, I'm not saying only, but his second Super Bowl in three years. I mean, the guy he's playing against didn't lose a Super Bowl, didn't lose a playoff game until 2005. So, right. I mean, there's a <laughs> lot of different comparisons. But besides that, I don't want to get too far into it. You mentioned the offensive line. I think that's a big thing to look at in this game. No Eric Fisher. Uh, it sounds like Daniel Kilgore, as long as he keeps testing negative, uh, being on the COVID-19 list, although it's not necessarily a, a positive test uh, that he could play. Uh, but what's the concern level on the offensive line in this game against a Bucks defense that has thrived getting after the quarterback in the postseason? Yeah, I think the biggest thing is it's not just, you know, one guy on the Bucks defense. It's pretty much the whole defensive line. I mean, the biggest thing that I think has helped them uh, was getting Vita Vea back last week because he's so, I guess the word is maybe unique of, of what he can do. Obviously, he's a defensive uh, tackle, but he's kind of built like a defensive end that just has, uh, you know, the willpower to overwhelm a lot of interior offensive linemen. And then, of course, you look at what Shaq Barrett's done the last couple of years and Jason Pierre-Paul. I think the biggest thing for the Chiefs is making the right reads and, and the right throws um, behind that because that's something when the pressure's got to him this year, um, the reads have not always been correct. So I think it's going to be maybe you see a lot of rolling pockets or rollouts or sprint out action from Patrick Mahomes. And uh, I think you can see Andy Reid try to use tight ends or extra running backs at times, uh, help to chip in as well on the offensive line because I think they know that it's going to be pretty much an unrelenting effort by the Bucks pass rush in this game. So we go back to that Week 12 game, and obviously Tyreek Hill had a, a first quarter for the ages. He finished with 13 catches for two six, 269 and three touchdowns. You would think, Braden, he's not going to have that kind of game again. But if the Bucks focus on Hill more in this game, which you would think off of having allowed that kind of performance they're going to, who do you think is the X factor on the Chiefs offense this week? We think Hill and Kelsey are going to get theirs. It's just hard to contain them for 60 minutes. But who do you think is that third guy that has to be that uh, big player on Sunday? I think I would probably turn to McCole Hardman just because uh, seeing what he did in the AFC Championship game a little bit, they got him more involved, and he's kind of been a guy that I think they've been waiting to see take off a little bit. And, of course, that fumble um, – uh, really hurt early in the game last week, but I think it also helped him for later on in the game, just kind of give him something to overcome. And that's something that has been, uh, you know, kind of the Chiefs have been waiting on him to kind of see if he can take a bigger load in the offense. So I think when you look at just his speed and how many different ways he can uh, be used in the offense where he's aligned on the field or, you know, his route running has certainly improved, I think, this year at times. Um, I think he's kind of a guy that uh, Mahomes is going to, be uh, having a lot of trust in because uh, for the most part he's he's been pretty reliable when he's been uh, thrown to it's just the chances have not come in bunches so far so when you look back to week 12 Chiefs had a 17 nothing lead game ends up being 27 24 
So when you've looked back over the last couple, last week and a half, what have you taken away from that game that you think will carry into this game? Is it more the chief dominance in the first half, or is it more despite Brady throwing two picks in the third quarter that it was a three-point game that the Chiefs had to uh, figure out a way to burn the final four minutes off the clock? I think I would say it's a little bit of both because I think for the most part, uh, I think the Chiefs want to start fast, kind of like they did in the first playoff game with the Browns. But kind of looking back at that that Week 12 game, um, I think the Bucks and Brady just simply figured out what the Chiefs were running defensively, trying to rely on uh, one-on-one coverage on the outside. And uh, Brady, I think, used some up-tempo stuff there at the end a little more. So I think it's going to be a little bit of a both. I think the the Chiefs are still going to try to play their bread and butter like that on defense, but I think they'll try to do some mixing and matching and uh, just seeing if the Bucks can kind of, you know, take what's given to them, maybe on the shorter routes, or if they're going to really try to push it down the field. Uh, I think that's a big question to watch for uh, in that matchup there. And and I think just seeing what Brady has done when he's been able to handle pressure, of course, that's uh, that's another factor that's big for Kansas City because they bring extra pressure uh, about a quarter of the time each game with five or extra rushers. So uh, I think that's going to be uh, something to watch for as well. One of the things you wrote about on the Full Press Chiefs this week, Steve Spagnuolo being Brady's nemesis, and you don't need to remind me, a fellow Patriot fan, of how much Steve Spagnuolo ruined hopes and dreams in Super Bowl Forty Two. But uh, what do you expect for Spagnuolo? Because I think the defensive coordinator matchup, we talk about uh, Reed against Arians or even the enemy against Leftwich, who's emerged as a strong offensive coordinator. But the chess match between Spagnuolo and Bowles, is going to be really interesting, especially the way Bowles has been dialing up blitz packages uh, over the last three weeks. Yeah, and I think it's just both guys are really aggressive, and they're not afraid to kind of put uh, some dangerous looks out there that could leave a big hole on the back end. Uh, I, I remember one of the Week 12 games, I think it was one of the plays where Brady threw uh, the interception that hit off of Sorensen's helmet. There was a, a play on the back side of that that was actually left wide open. So both guys, I think, kind of live dangerously, but they like to do it. And I think with Spagnolo, it's just um, the question for me is who's going to kind of be mixing and matching a little bit. Uh, we know Tyron Matthews is going to move around the field some, but I think uh, honestly covering Rob Gronkowski, I think is going to be a big factor in this game because he had a good number of yards against the Chiefs the first time, and uh, he kind of took advantage of Sorensen a little bit. So I'm just going to be interested to see from Spagnolo's perspective what kind of coverage is. Um, and where guys, uh, depending on what player they are, where they're placed on the field. You, you would think Gronk would rise to the occasion in this game. He had the big day, like you said, six catches for a buck oh six. But you look at the last five games they played, he doesn't really get targeted at all. <laughs> and I think that's like, is this playoff Gronk or Super Bowl Gronk? Or, or Because I've been trying to look at it from the Buck side. Like you've got Evans, you got got when Scotty Miller made some big plays, you mentioned they made the big play, and then they went back to it at the same time, which led to the pick, which I don't get why they did that. But if you are the Chiefs' defense, who on this Buccaneers' offense are you paying the most attention to in this game? Wow. I Man, there's so many guys. Because it's so uh, tough with Brady because he just gives it to everybody. That's why it's, yeah. it's a really interesting question. <laughs> Part of me honestly wanted to say the running back, Leonard Fournette, because he's really kind of turned it on in the playoffs and – you know, kind of reversed his fortune a little bit. Uh, but I guess if I had to pick a wide receiver, I, I think I would go with Chris Godwin just because I think he's a little more uh, interchangeable than, say, a Mike Evans, uh, where he can line up on the field. I think he's obviously 
one of the better route runners on their team. Um, drops have been a factor for sure, but I think he's a guy that I, I would trust if I'm Brady probably the most out of anybody on that uh, offense in one-on-one situations, especially if it's a, a contested catch situation down the field. And I think simply Godwin's hands are more reliable than Evans. So I think that would be obviously the big choice. I like the way you went with Fournette because all of a sudden Leonard Fournette's become the 2021 version of Shane Vereen and James White. When honestly, Braden, I would have thought that would have been Ronald Jones. And I'm right. kind of confused as to why Ronald Jones has disappeared. I don't know if this is going to be a breakout game here, but I'm kind of shocked that Leonard Fournette, I never knew he was a pass catching back in college and all of a sudden he's become one. <laughs> yeah. And, and to be honest with Jones, I mean, he had a good season at times too, uh, turned in, I think just over or just under a thousand yards on the ground. But I think with Fournette, it's kind of just right now, uh, especially with the physical offensive line that they have up front, I think he's just able to uh, do what he does best right now. And that's kind of manipulate defenses with his eyes a little bit and his strength. So, uh, and you mentioned the pass catching ability of Fournette. That's something that uh, certainly showed up in their big win in the wild card round against Washington. So um, the biggest thing for the Chiefs there, I think, is just going to have to be to, to limit Fournette to making plays outside in the open field. I think they're going to have to keep him bottled up. And they've done a, a pretty admirable job, all things considered. Um, but also the Chiefs have been running a lot of their dime package. So at times they have one linebackers all on the field, mostly in Anthony Hitchens, and then six DBs. So uh, with having that extra speed on the field, uh, how is that going to translate, I think, to you know the physicality of Fournette's game? That'll be fun to watch for sure. We look at the. I want you to take a look at the Chief running game because to me that's been a big confusing all season long as I mentioned earlier. Mm-hmm. Clyde Edwards Alaire was very good on the field, not for your fantasy football team, but he he did some good things. Le'Veon Bell made it. They made the signing for him, and he's been underwhelming. Honestly, this time last year we were looking at one Williams and Damian. Are we looking at the focus of this year's Super Bowl being Darrell Williams? I think so. I mean, I think right now Clyde is kind of even still not fully healthy. Uh, this extra week off may help, but with Daryl Williams right now, I think it's just, uh, all that time that he's kind of been either inactive or, or way down on the depth chart. Um, he's kind of just really taking advantage of this opportunity, knowing that this may be possibly his one, one big chance, uh, if he wants to stick with the team. And I think they like what he can do as far as just a zone rushing back and and uh, a guy that can just do so many more things, uh, you know, than than is expected of him. Kind of a, a two dimensional guy at times. So uh, yeah, Darrell Williams, I think, is a guy that we could see uh, use just as much as Edward Zelaya in this game, possibly. So um, he's done well, and I, I don't really expect him to uh, to really falter, unless of course you know the Bucks. Uh, just continue to dominate as much as they have on run defense. A lot of people talk this week about how the being at home for the Bucks is a great thing. And no, and no doubt it's a great thing to have your, your home, you play in your home stadium, sleep in your own bed, except on the that night before and all that stuff. From a Chiefs perspective, knowing they don't have to travel to Tampa till Friday, I believe, is it pretty much the same advantage for the Chiefs in that they can kind of, I know you don't treat this like any other game, but the coaches kind of stress that you should. You can kind of treat it as basically a normal game week where you're, where you're traveling a couple days before. Is that kind of an advantage for the Chiefs in a way as well? 
I, I think so just because um, it, it's kind of one thing where uh, you mentioned for the Bucks just sleeping in your own bed. I mean, for the Chiefs to be able to have that kind of factor as well uh, throughout this week, I think there's going to be a sense of comfort there. Um, and just just being able to kind of practice where you have all season before any other big game. Um, I, I just think for the most part that it's maybe going to be able uh, – sorry, it's going to be able to uh, – keep them focused and, and, and remain that uh, kind of consistency that they've had all season. It's probably a, a tougher question to answer, but what if Mahomes wins this game? I know it's it's really weird we're asking this because he's 25, <laughs> but what's, what's, his, what, what's his legacy? And I think more importantly, what's Andy Reid's? Because I, I've heard Colin Coward say, Reed with a win would be as close to Belichick. Well, I disagree entirely with that. But mm-hmm. it, you can't deny Andy Reed would now be viewed as an all-time coach if he could win a second Super Bowl. So what's this game you think mean for both Mahomes and Andy Reed? I think first off with Andy Reed, I mean, and it may be already to that point, but I think it would really solidify his career probably being remembered more for uh, his time in Kansas City than Philadelphia. Um, and And I think for him it's just the fact that, you know, that one Super Bowl ring was missing for so long, uh, going into last year still. I think for him, it would truly put him, I don't, I don't think it's on the Belichick level, but I think it would put him, uh, among one of the top coaches, uh, of all time for sure. And I think with Mahomes, it's just, I think more of a team thing with him too. It's not just, uh, Mahomes, but the Chiefs, you know, how many of these, uh, can they win here in the next, you know, five to 10 years? If they can win this one back to back, you're talking, you know, who knows a chance of maybe getting, uh, three to four more, maybe in his, in his first eight to 10 years, depending on, you know, if all things go well, that's, uh, obviously a tough thing to, to overcome, but I think it's, it's just something for him and the team that, uh, you know, their, their sites are always focused on, on continuing to improve and get that one more, uh, than they already have. And I like what you said at the top where you're trying to tell Chiefs fans that to embrace this because if Patrick Mahomes wins this game, even if he doesn't win this game, You've got all of the media talking about how, how many titles is Mahomes going to win and how many titles the Chiefs are going to win the next six Super Bowls. It's not easy to get there, speaking from being a Patriot fan, where going to the AFC Championship is almost a foregone conclusion and you now become relieved over games rather than enjoying the, the thrill when you win. And I think people kind of don't realize that. So I like the message you gave at the top where you kind of have to try to enjoy these games while realizing, look, it's a failure if you lose. And I think it's kind of what I, what I'm intrigued by is what happens after this, because eventually Mahomes' big money is going to kick in. And I don't know how much they're going to keep, how better, how much they're going to draft. Well, they've, they've done a pretty good job in the draft, but I think people are kind of forgetting that in the microscope. Eventually Mahomes is going to get his $500 million and they're going to find out how to piece this team together somehow. Yeah, and I think it goes to speak to how their roster is built right now. They're really, you know, you got those seven to eight guys that are paid highly, and then the chances that they've taken on kind of dry, uh, guys that have been seen as fringe draft players, guys like Rashad Fenton, uh, bringing in Charverius Ward, a former UDFA, and as a trade from Dallas a couple years ago, guys like that. Um, the way they're performing right now and, and being able to cash in on those chances um, has really paid off. So I think that's going to have to continue in the draft. Um, with free agency, I know there's going to be more questions this year probably than last year, just because we don't know for sure what the salary cap's going to look like after the, uh, 
COVID impacted season this year? Is it going to be set at 175 million or 185 or whatever? Um, so I think you're looking at guys just maybe what they've done more this season recently than their entire body of work. You look at somebody maybe like a Sammy Watkins who's been, uh, banged up, unfortunately, um, every year. You look at somebody like, uh, Mitchell Schwartz or an Eric Fisher could be restructured. So I think they're going to try to do everything in their power to just, uh, always be creative with the team. I don't think they're always going to be set on one, uh, big picture. I think they're just going to try to keep everything as, as fluid as they can. But yeah, knowing that the money's going to kick in later on with Mahomes, um, yeah, the, the, the chances and, and the hits that they're going to have to take, um, are going to have to become even, uh, greater now here in the next few years. We mentioned the chess match between Spagnuolo and Bulls. I think to me the most intriguing matchup is the chess match between Mahomes and Brady because the kryptonite for Mahomes, if there is a kryptonite, I don't think it exists. But if there is one, it, it's it's been Belichick. The other one's been Brady because mm-hmm. I think you look at the four games they played against each other. They've all come down to the final possession. Even the game in December last year, Tom Brady's got the ball with a fourth down inside the 30-yard line with a chance to – uh, tie the football game for the Patriots. Yes, it's a different team, totally different environment, but I think in a way from a home to find, get over that hump and beat Brady. Otherwise it would be your, I'm 25 and I can't beat a guy who's going to be 44 in August. That, that chess match I find in that aspect of the game, not the goat versus future goat, but just the matchups these two have had. It begins to show you it, it most likely is going to come down to the last possession or two again. Yeah, and it's just, I think, what these guys do, you know, that isn't all about their arm. I mean, there was one play uh, <laughs> last year in New England where Brady took off for like 20 yards to set up uh, the Patriots inside the red zone. So even Brady can run at times if he needs to. And I think it's just the instincts and uh, being able to read defenses as well as these guys do. I think that's going to be the fun thing for me is um, just everything that isn't about the arm, seeing how they're going to handle either the pressures or or, um, you know, the zone, zone coverages that are kind of mixed in or disguised. Uh, just seeing the mental part of this game, uh, we know both can do it really well, but being able to do it now against defenses that are playing really well themselves instinctively, uh, that's going to be a fun thing for me between the two quarterbacks. One last thing to look at before I get, get, get your key to the game and pick. I look back to week 12. Third down, I think, is a big key in this game. Chiefs were six for twelve on third down. Bucks were three for nine. They were they were very good against Green Bay in the title game on third down. And the time position for the Chiefs was thirty six minutes to twenty three minutes. I would think if Tampa's got any shot to win, those third down numbers and the time position numbers kind of have to flip in the exact opposite direction. Yeah, and and it's kind of interesting with the Chiefs because um, they're usually more comfortable, I feel like, offensively when it's third and long compared to third and short. So I think it also depends on the down and distance uh, for the Chiefs' offense. But yeah, for the Bucks, um, I, I think it was just they they really struggled in that Week 12 game at times making the right throw or the right read. Um, so I, I think if if they can kind of tighten those things up a little bit, uh, that could possibly turn uh, the fortune for Tampa Bay. Uh, but yeah, I think the time of possession, it's kind of interesting because of just how, how much these teams can score quickly. But also I think if they, if they need to have a uh, methodical drive, they're both capable of that as well. So talking about just two of the best offenses, uh, facing off against each other, I, I think it's just going to be interesting to see how, uh, how their pace of play, uh, goes in this game.
Also, please, can we not have 18 combined penalties like that first matchup? I don't need to see the ref on my screen <laughs> constantly. It'll bother me. Then Tony Romo will start yelling. Gene Steratore will be on the screen more than I'd like him to be. But that's besides the point. All right, so let's wrap it up with this. Give me your key to the game that we haven't talked about yet, and give me a pick. Who do you like? Who's the MVP? So key to the game, I think, uh, you know, who creates more turnovers in this game? Because the Bucks had, uh, I think, the fourth best turnover differential this season at plus eight. Uh, and, and you look at the Chiefs right now, especially in the playoffs, have been, been able to create a good amount of turnovers. So I think whichever team creates more there uh, is going to be the big key for me. Um, I, I think the Chiefs win this game. I think it'll be, honestly, one of the more high-scoring games in a little while. So I'll say Kansas City uh, 38, Tampa Bay 31. And I think the MVP in this game is actually not going to be a quarterback. I'm going to say Travis Kelsey uh, just because we've seen – uh, some guys in the past that have had high volume games, uh, Dion Branch, uh, is one of them for the Patriots. I know had a big game, uh, for, for New England with a lot of volume. So I think Kelsey's going to continue to see a lot of targets, uh, like he has in the other two playoff games and, and have one of his better playoff games as well. So I'm going to go Kelsey there. And, uh, again, Chiefs 38, Bucks 31. See, I, I like where you're going with it. Here's where I, I kind of disagree. And I, w- I won't argue on the on the outcome of the game. I, I say that for when we uh, my monologue before this. But I, I think if it's a high scoring game like that, then Mahomes is going to be the MVP because I the, the difference between I think a high volume game and I think Deion Branch I believe had his against the Eagles, and I, I think, think that so, yeah. and I think that game there wasn't really anybody unanimous to give it to because Brady didn't exactly have a great game offensively and the other touchdown I believe was to Rabel I think if, if this game is over 30 points and I think it's hard not to see Patrick Mahomes get back to back in <laughs> yeah that's that's a good point I guess I don't know Maybe Tyree I think that Hill, just, that's the case but I, yeah yeah I guess I was just I don't know maybe me I, personally I, I I almost feel like this could be one uh I don't know why, just maybe non-quarterback. But, yeah, it, well, if, I, if it's I, high scoring, that's that's certainly a good point. I like what you're thinking, especially since Kelsey had 13 catches two weeks ago. I actually still don't get it if you're the Bills. You don't have anybody to stop a guy with 13 catches. But if he has that kind of game, it would be hard not to give him MVP either. It would be a really uh, fascinating debate. So, Brayden, let the listeners know where they can follow all the work you're doing previewing the game this week at Full Press Chiefs and uh, how they can follow you and the site on Twitter. All right, yeah, you guys can follow the FPC Chiefs Twitter account at FPC underscore Chiefs. Uh, we're going to have a couple of uh, three key matchup pieces coming out here in the next couple of days. Chiefs offense versus Bucks defense, and then uh, Bucks offense, Chiefs defense as well. And uh, some underrated X-Factor players to watch for as well. I always like to highlight those, so uh, stay tuned for what few players I'm uh, looking forward to watching there under the radar a little bit for both teams. And, uh, yeah, you guys can follow, um, uh, FPC Chiefs, uh, podcast game preview episode should drop on Friday before the game. Uh, gonna have Ian Glendon on, of course, the, uh, editor in chief of FPC, but also the Bucks managing editor. Uh, so he'll be on with me Friday and you guys can follow me on Twitter at Braden Holacek nine. And yeah, just thank you for having me on. And, uh, yeah, hopefully it's as good of a game as it's hyped up to be this Sunday. Yeah, guarantee you'll hear this podcast after the, the Friday podcast airs, but go back and just, if, I'm sure Ian and Braden will have like 15 minutes of Mahomes Brady discussion. And <laughs> if you want your fix there, 
go to that spot. I guarantee it'll be great. Braden, thank you for hopping on. Give us the information. Keep up the great work. Enjoy the Super Bowl, and I'll talk again soon. Thanks for the time. All right. Thank you. Special thanks to Braden Holacek from Full Press Chiefs for hopping on the show, helping us look ahead to the Super Bowl. And I want to remind you about the weekday live radio lineup that we have here on the network. We got FPC Radio Live with Ian Glendon and Mike DeBate. Starts off your morning at around 8.30 a.m. Eastern. You got Snowman in the morning, Ryan Snow doing some basketball, always does some great stuff. College Credit Hour with Memphis Spence. And Dylan and Ross Save Sports. That's your daily live lineup here on the Full Press Coverage Radio Network. And I want to remind you, of course, if you want to be a part of our team, go to fullpresscoverage.com slash contribute. If you see something that we don't have on the site, we want to hear from you. We want your opinion as part of our team. So please go to that link and you can be a part of our team. We also have a sportscaster page where some of our podcasts are in video form. Uh, you might see an NFL video podcast before the Super Bowl. That probably is up there with our Full Press NFL. We had the baseball podcast, which I don't think is video, but we talked about that last week. But you can go to sportscaster.com. You can make your own video as well. So I want to get into the baseball, and I'll save the MLB, MLBPA for later in the segment. I want to start with Trevor Bauer. It looked like Thursday night, Bob Nightingale from US, USA Today reports Trevor Bauer is going to the Mets which I think we've all learned, probably it's going to be now tough to trust Bob Nightingale of USA Today. And that's unfair to say USA Today is a very credible news source, but you got it wrong. You got it way wrong. So we're all waiting and waiting on Twitter for eventually the Mets to get Bauer. Look, it sounded like it. And people were reporting, like John Heyman, that the Dodgers were were at least in the conversation, but like the distant front, distant background. And at 2.30 on Friday, you get the tweet from Heyman, Bauer to the Dodgers. Now, Bauer's from California, went to UCLA for college, gets the pitch at home. Gets a three-year, $102 million deal, $40 million this year, $45 million next year, but can opt out after both of those years. So in essence, this is, you think Bauer's going to opt out after that point barring something crazy. So it's essentially a two-year, $85 million deal. Bauer's now the highest paid pitcher in terms of average annual value for this season in the league. Now, you can say that the Dodgers made a good sign. I think they did. Because you look at this team, the Dodgers are doing everything they can to win another World Series. They're not settling on, oh, we've won one already. Let's not stay under the competitive, let's stay under the competitive balance tax and still try to field a team that would still be very good. With the Bowers signing, they're now at 200, a little over $230 million on their payroll. The competitive balance tax is 210. The Dodgers are going to break through that. We'll see if they re-sign Justin Turner to play third base. Turner's likely to go there, although I think Ken Rosenthal reported Milwaukee 
is at least in the conversation on Turner. But if, they, if the Dodgers sign Turner, they're going to get at least 250 buying a trade. But the Dodgers made this signing because you look what the Padres have done. Add Hugh Darvish, added Blake Snell, added Joe Musgrove to that rotation. And there's no expanded playoffs right now for this season. So remember, the division winners get in, and then you have your wild card game. The Dodgers don't want to be in the wild card game with that payroll. So they should make this move. And they get a guy in Bauer coming off a of Cy Young from last year. And you can discredit that Cy Young if you want and say that Bauer's only starts were against NL Central teams and AL Central teams. And a lot of those teams are not very good and had some bad offenses. But you could also argue Bauer pitched on a team in Cincinnati that had a terrible offense that got shut out in both games in the playoffs against the Braves. So in a way, it works both ways for him. But he joins a rotation with Walker Bueller, with Clayton Kershaw, with David Price, who's coming back, with Julio Arias, with Dustin May, with Tony Gonsolin. Their depth is so deep that when they get to the playoffs and everybody, if everybody's healthy, you could see Arias closing games. You wouldn't be shocked by it. Did it this past year. You could see Dustin May closing games. Because Kenley Jansen right now is their closer, and they've got Blue Star Gratterall, and they brought back Blake Trinan. The Dodgers, if there is a weakness to that team, it is their bullpen. But there's not many weaknesses to that team. So by, I can understand if you went after this signing and said, well, cancel the season, it's over, the Dodgers are going to win the World Series. I don't blame you. Again, look around that roster. Tell me there's a weakness on this team. They're great in the rotation. They have depth at second base with Gavin Lux. I mean, Edwin Rios did some good things at third base that they decided not bring back Justin Turner. They got Bellinger. They got Betts. It's probably, again, at the back of the bullpen with Gratterall, Trinan, Joe Kelly, Corey Knable they brought in. That's probably it. And they could obviously, if they're willing to go above the tax, they can make a trade of the deadline if they want to. So let's get into Bauer, who I think pulled off the most elaborate troll job of all time. And we know Trevor Bauer likes to promote his brand. He's got his website. His agent, Rachel Lube, is all over Twitter. Bauer wanted to have a LeBron-like decision going to rub people the wrong way. Now, he didn't get to reveal himself, but he did put out a two-and-a-half-minute video after the report. And some of the video was really good, but then there was part of the video where he's, like, showing quick shots of other teams' jerseys and then finally showing him in a Dodger jersey. That's kind of being a troll. You get it? That's what he is. We know people don't like him. He's probably the most polarizing player in baseball. And you kind of feel baseball needs that in an era where they want the younger generation on social media following the game. And in the younger generation, most of them or some of them like Bauer. But there was something I found that kind of really bothered me. If you go to Trevor Bauer's website on Friday, he had a signed hat giveaway for the Mets earlier in the day and then switched it to the Dodgers. So somebody bit, um, somebody signs up for the Met giveaway. And this is the email he got back. 
This is at 1 o'clock. Hey, Michael, thanks for signing up for my signed hat giveaway. I can't wait to take the mound in New York. You're here because you're a fan. I appreciate you joining me on this journey. And then gives him a quote about Think about the level of troll that you're sending out emails saying, I'm gonna, I can't wait to pitch in New York. And now you can maybe spin that as I can't wait to pitch against the Mets in New York. So there's a level of troll job with Trevor Bauer. And you go down to his agent, Rachel Luba. Goes on Twitter later on the day Friday. And she tweets this to Mets fans. Mets fans, y'all will ever hold a special place in my heart. Thanks for all the great memes and photoshops. You can't hate us, but we still love you. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. And, and look, the Mets might have got a blessing in disguise here. Because they were going to offer, what was it, $105 million? They're going to give him $40 million a year. Or $40 million that first year. In the end, Bauer wanted to go back home. But you could also look at the people. I've seen people argue this, and I'm, I'm going to disagree with them on this point. That Bauer being paid more than Jacob deGrom would have hurt the Mets. I don't think so. I don't think Jacob deGrom's bothered by that kind of stuff. Remember, Jacob deGrom pitched in the rotation with Thor and with the Dark Knight. He didn't need a superhero nickname. He didn't need to kind of be that guy. He just likes pitching. You felt you feel Thor in a way. Noah Syndergaard has to kind of be that guy. Matt Harvey wanted to be that guy, and that partially outside of the injury is why he failed in New York after the one good season he had. Degrom doesn't need that, but you take a look now what the Mets have on their payroll. They could go get a center fielder with Jackie Bradley Jr. They could sign a, a, one of these pitchers on the market like a Jake Lorenzia, James Paxton, Taiwan Walker. If they want to add more depth to the rotation, their rotation's deep. When Syndergaard comes back, they got they brought in Carrasco, they re-signed Stroman, they had David Peterson. There is depth there. Or take that money and give Francisco Lindor an extension before opening day, so he doesn't hit free agency. Give Michael Conforto an extension. There are ways Steve Cohen can use this money, and I understand Met fans that say, "Well, we got Steve Cohen, and we thought we were going to sign every free agent." They didn't get Real Muto. They got James McCann. They didn't get Springer. They didn't get Bauer. But the Mets have made their own smart moves. Look at the move for Trevor May. Adding him to the bullpen. Trading for Lindor. The Mets have done everything they can to have a good offseason. They didn't need Steve Cohen to spend $500 million to make this a good offseason. Now, they've had their own issues away from the fields. Jared Porter, and now the latest with last week with Mickey Calloway, who's the angel who was suspended now as the Angels pitching coach, but you've seen those reports in the Athletic. And we talked more about that a few weeks ago with the whole Jared Porter stuff. Same things apply here. But from a on-field perspective, Mets have fielded a good team that should compete. They didn't really need Trevor Bauer to do that. The other big sign this week is actually in the NL East. It happened late Friday night. Marcel Ozuna goes back to the Braves. Four-year deal, $64 million as a club option for a fifth year. So it could be five years at 80. And yes, Ozuna was partially hurt by this. Probably not going to be a DH this year. But the Braves get a, a big bat in that lineup to go with Freddie Freeman, to go with Ronald Acuna, to go with Ozzie Albies. They have now a left fielder. 
in that lineup. And while Ozuna's not the greatest defensive left fielder, he's not terrible. So the Braves further enhance their chances of winning the East. And the NL East is going to be the most fun division with Ozuna and the Braves, with Freeman and all those guys, and Soroka's back. The Mets, the Nationals making moves. The Phillies bring back Real Muto and Didi Gregorius. They have basically the same team and a little bit better of a bullpen. And the Marlins were the fun team last year. The East is going to be a lot of fun to watch. But when you want to get a chance to talk about on-field baseball, it's always the off-field stuff that gets in the way. And you had a report from Ken Rosenthal from The Athletic that the Player Association opted out of a government call with Joe Biden, the president, to delay the season. Now, baseball, the owners wanted to delay the season until April 28th. And Biden wanted to kind of allow the players an opportunity maybe to get the vaccine. Because right now it's only for certain criteria people can get the vaccine. We all know this. The players said, no, we want to play right now. And I get where the players are coming from. I think both sides are at fault here. Because I think both Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, can, if you told both of them the sky is blue, they wouldn't agree. If you told them the grass is green, they wouldn't agree with you. So there's that level of stubbornness that I think they both just don't want to give into each other. And we know that the Player Association got robbed in the last CBA. They're going to do everything they can to win this one. By the way, the CBA ends December of 21. So get ready. I think get ready for a work stoppage. I get where the players are coming from. The owners should have brought this proposal to the table in December, early January, not late January, not two weeks before spring training because players are revamping up, preparing for an on-time start. Camps open in two weeks. Baseball begins April 1st, and that's what it's going to be. But here's where I blame the players, and John Heyman kind of had a tweet like this during the week. I don't have the tweet in front of me, but it was something along the lines of, Players are more worried about injuries than the virus. Really? After what happened with Eduardo Rodriguez and Freddie Freeman, you're more worried about injuries than the virus? I get it. You played a whole year through a pandemic. The virus didn't just go away and vanish. It's kind of a bad optic to send out. It really is. And throughout the whole part of last year, you all listened to this show and heard I've, I've sided the players. I can't side either one of them on this. First off, these two sides should be meeting a lot earlier. And I get the players want their money. They want to play 162 games. They want the full money. They don't want to have to delay the season and have everything rushed in case the games get canceled. I understand that. And you have these spring training sites in Florida and Arizona. And they're going to be places like in Florida where there's going to be 24% of stadiums filled for spring training games. But why do you, why does MLB and the MLBPA never agree on a dime? They can't settle on anything. And, and the players just basically say, well, we're not going to agree and Rob Manford just going to make the rules anyway. So why do we even bother? I get that too. Both sides have their points, but both sides also look really stupid. 
They look like they don't have a don't have a look at the future of the sport. They don't have an idea that eventually, and what I don't know if they've just settled for baseball being the third most popular sport in America, behind base, behind football, behind basketball. Have they just settled on that? Because the union, I get why the union didn't want to trade the DH for the expanded playoffs. Because if you have more teams in the playoffs, teams won't buy anything. They won't spend on players. And it is a bad look for the sport that Trevor Bauer's average annual value is more than like four teams' payrolls for this year. Don't blame the Dodgers for spending it. You blame the other teams for not spending. And I think you look at, if you're a Yankees fan, I get why you're upset that the Dodgers were willing to go over the tax and you're not. But here's the reality. The Dodgers have perfected being a big market team that spends money and develops their own talent. They've done it better than you. They have Andrew Friedman, who's a better GM than Brian Cashman. That doesn't mean Brian Cashman's a doesn't mean he's a bad GM. It means Andrew Friedman's just ten times better. At least for right now, Friedman's figured out how to both develop talent, draft talent, and put a consistent winning product on the field. The Yankees put a consistent winning product too. But Friedman, better GM than Cashman. Just the way it is. And I don't blame the Yankees for not wanting to go over the luxury tax. That's the owner's decision. That's not your decision to make. It's not your money. It's the fans. You can be mad about it all you want. That's not changing. And there are teams treating the CBT as a luxury tax. And we'll see if that changes going to the next CBA. But for right now, I don't think we're... I think we're delaying next year, too. I think there's going to be a work stoppage. And until the MLB and MLBPA can prove otherwise, that's what it's going to be. So we'll take one more break. We'll come back. We'll talk a little NBA. We'll talk a little NHL. A little college basketball, including a big rivalry game tonight, like I said earlier, that I don't know how much meaning is in it. We'll get into that in a little bit. You're listening to Kicking with Keeler here on Full Press Radio. We'll be right back. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. One more segment here on Kicking with Kilo this week, episode number 62. Thanks for listening to this week's show. And it's going to be a mixture of different sports. Uh, I won't go into that much in the tennis, but there is the Australian Open beginning on Monday. So that's something to keep an eye on. We'll talk more about that in the next couple of weeks. As, um, at least you'll see Australia. I think half the stadium is full for that. So it'll be a good look into hopefully what we can get to if we follow the right protocols and things down the road. So it's something to monitor, at least from a global sports perspective this week. But looking at the NBA, we're going to start here where it was uh, was reported during the week that the NBA is trying to get an all-star game March 7th in Atlanta. The league wants to have that. And they want to do like a slam dunk and a three-point contest that night. And we've seen the issue in Atlanta where you've got fans courtside. We had the issue this week with the Lakers playing the Hawks with LeBron and courtside Karen. 
first off, I don't get where you can have not the full capacity of fans, yet there's still fans that can sit courtside near the player. I get they're wearing masks, but that's still a risk. I don't feel why the NBA should allow that. But that's a Hawks decision. I really can't go deep into it. But a lot of NBA players have taken to social media, taken to the media, and said they don't feel there should be an All-Star game. And some of those is, include De'Aaron Fox or the Kings, who said stupid for there to be an All-Star game. And LeBron James kind of said the same thing this week. After the Lakers win over the Nuggets on Thursday, he said he has zero energy and zero excitement about an All-Star game this year. I don't understand why we're having a game. He says, short off season for myself and my teammates, which, again, you can be not sympathetic to LeBron all you want. But the fact is the Lakers only had two months in between this end of the season and the start of the season. And LeBron, I believe, has played every game this year so far. And then you tell the players, we're not going to have a game. We're going to have those days off. That whole week was going to be an off week for the players. And they've told the players this week, you can travel in the continental United States. Really? You're telling the players they're allowed to travel, yet they've got to be careful who they watch the Super Bowl with. They've got all these protocols on how to get through games, but you're going to, like, do these things for an all-star game, which is a whole different story. I don't really... If you told the league, if the league told the players coming into the season, no all-star game, then why all of a sudden are we going to have a pop-up all-star game? Why can't, if you're the league... Just if the name the teams, players who make the teams get their bonus money. You want to do some cool events uh, virtually or something like that. That that'd be great. But you have LeBron not wanting to, thinking it's stupid. Aaron Fox thinking it's stupid. LeBron calling a slap to the face to players. You got Giannis after Friday night's game saying, "I think every player was looking forward to those five games." Or. And saying LeBron sees zero excitement, and I'm the same way. I really right now don't care about the All-Star game. I want to see his family. You've got Kawhi Leonard saying the league is valuing money over health. Steph Curry has issued a – Chris Paul mentioned that LeBron and Steph Curry have called, saying they're not happy with it. But Chris Paul basically said they've talked about it, and, and he understands. And I think – see why Kawhi would think money over health. Because why would you even risk getting almost one player at least from almost every team together and risk bringing that back to your team? When your goal is to finish the season, your goal is to play an NBA season, to play as many games as possible. Because then you got issues like last night. Where Kevin Durant is playing a game, and he reportedly came into contact with an, uh, somebody on Friday who had tested positive for the coronavirus after there was an inconclusive test earlier in the day that allowed him to play, and then they took him out. So now Durant probably can't play an all-star game. Remember, Durant had COVID earlier in the, like last week. He's also had to sit out games for contact tracing. And you have James Harden saying, I don't understand the whole thing where he couldn't play when he came on the court and took him back. There's too much going on. It's kind of overwhelming. You're in the midst of a tough game. It's overwhelming. It's frustrating. 
Isaiah gets ticked off. He says, why is Kevin, there's an inconclusive test, and we saw this in the World Series, Jeff McCurdy. You should not be allowed to play on an inconclusive test. Even if the associate that, or the person that you're with is inconclusive and might be a contact person, sorry, you can't play. Why even put the person to play? And now you got the Nets going to Philly, playing a game today. Albeit Kyrie's out with an injury, but you don't know what the, if the Nets are going to bring that to Philly. And Philly's dealt with COVID-19 issues. Remember earlier in the season? Very crazy stuff right now. And I feel the NBA's gotta kinda take a take a look in the mirror. And it's like you got all your stars, most of your stars, telling you don't play the all-star game. And you shouldn't play the all-star game. Take a break from baseball. Baseball did. Football did. Now we got baseball. College basketball, and I want to show this here. Big game tonight in the ACC for the wrong reason. Tonight, 6 o'clock on ESPN, North Carolina Duke. Big game, right? Normally, it is one of the best rivalries in sports. These two teams face each other unranked for the first time in, I guess that goes to 60 years. Shout out to my, alum, my uh, 
school I went to for college, St. John's. Big upset win over Villanova on Monday. They've won five of their last six. Trying to get back on that NCAA tournament bubble. They absolutely stifled Villanova on the defensive end. Pac Alexander did a fantastic job. And Mike Anderson has them going in the right direction. I'm very pleased, even though St. John's has slow starts in the Big East, it seems every year, to go from 1-5 and five to being 500 in the league. And they put themselves at least back in the conversation. So that is credit to Mike Anderson. I also got to give credit, uh, this game's not final yet, but Missouri, uh, beating Alabama by 13 with four minutes left as I record this, uh, chance for Missouri to get a big win. Alabama is viewed as a, a number one seed by Joe Lenardi on his bracketology. So it's a big win for Missouri if they can cover. In terms of games to watch this week, we'd like to give you some games to take a look at. We're also a good win from Ohio State Thursday over Iowa. They really put themselves uh, in a top seed conversation. That will push out deep the Big Ten. So here is some games to look at this week. On Monday night at 11 o'clock on ESPN, get number one Gonzaga at BYU. Gonzaga had a little bit of tough time Pacific last week. Pulled away late, but BYU is always a tough place to play, albeit, again, with limited amount of fans or no fans. That changes, but still a road game in BYU. 15-4 having a decent season. Setting it last place. Tuesday night, West Virginia at Texas Tech. Now, West Virginia is playing Kansas later today. So a tough stretch for the Mountaineers here, Texas Tech. Beating Oklahoma Monday with a really good defensive game. Wednesday, Florida at Tennessee. Great rivalry in football, but a top 25 matchup in basketball. It's Wednesday night on ESPN2. Rutgers at Iowa. Rutgers, of course, another team on that 7-8-2 line. That should be a fun game in Iowa. Illinois at Michigan, a battle of two top 15 teams as of right now. That's Thursday on ESPN. Illinois playing Wisconsin later today. A good top 20 matchup there. Then on Saturday, because we're going to be recording this next, we're trying to maybe make these shows either Saturday or Sunday going forward now if there's no football. Next Saturday, really great game. Texas Tech, Oklahoma at West Virginia. Texas Tech at Baylor, about all top 15 teams in there. Baylor still undefeated. You have Villanova at Creighton, good matchup in the Big East, two top 15 teams. You And you're pretty much it there. So, Really good things for college basketball. Again, the top 16 seeds will be announced Saturday. Maybe we'll wait till do the show tomorrow. We'll kind of dive into that a little bit. We're going to get more guests on the show throughout the next month. Do more college basketball. Kind of make that. Maybe not the sole focus of the show because we're going to get to baseball too, but that'll kind of leave the, leave the show on Sunday, especially as we get into March Madness and the debate over whether to have conference tournaments. That's going to pop up again. I don't think – I think teams, if they want to opt out and say they're in the tournament and want to – keep safe and make sure they're able to play in the tournament. They have every right to, but we'll get into that debate as it gets closer to that time in, in about the first, second week of March. So I want to thank Braden Holacek from Full Press Beat for up on the show, talking some football for the Super Bowl. I hope you all stay safe, watch the Super Bowl, enjoy the game. We'll talk about it more on next week's show. We're getting to more Carson Wentz rumors. I know they're out there, so we'll get into that and kind of give a brief preview for the NFL offseason that already in full swing and should be one of the more eventful ones in recent memory. want to remind you, you can follow me on Twitter, at Nader555, that's at R-A-C-K, letter I, Nader, like in Terminator, and 35. Be sure to follow us on Twitter, at FQ underscore coverage, and at Full Press Radio. Be sure to subscribe to the podcast on iTunes. Just uh, search Chicken with Keeler anywhere, on your, anywhere you get your podcast, chances are it's there. Please give a rating, tell us what you like, don't like, 
You can email me, rickjakehealer at gmail.com. Be sure to subscribe to the Full Press Coverage app on your iOS or Android device. Get everything, articles, podcasts, live shows, the whole nine yards on the app. You can also check out my work at a couple other different places. Over at Pinside Prospects, I help host the Chasing 28 podcast. That's every Thursday that goes up. Some good show this week. There's some fun Yankees trivia on that show every week. There's uh, Alexis Barnowski and James O'Connell do great work on that show with me. Be sure to check that out. And then over at Barrett Sports Media, uh, I wrote up that Pumani Jones article I talked about earlier. And I also wrote up a great piece that Bill Walton did with uh, Christopher Kamrani from The Athletic. Great interview Chris did with Bill Walton. And Bill Walton gave an insight into how he views when he has a bad broadcast. And people kind of look at Bill Walton as kind of they think it's not enough basketball he does games and it it goes too off kilter. But you're getting the real Bill Walton, the big fan show appreciate guy. So I wrote that up uh, on Friday. Be sure to check that out. I write about all the cool media and sports news stories over at Barrett Sports Media twice a week. And be sure also to check out uh, the top 20 list. Barrett Sports Media is doing a great thing this week with uh, top midday hosts and program directors and all sorts of great lists over at Barrett Sports Media. Jason Barrett does a good job putting that together. Uh, It's a really cool thing to see a bunch of shows from across the country interact with each other, which is always great. Uh, So keep that in mind. I'm going to get you what this week's coming up is. Find that list real quick for you. Oh, Monday it's the top 20 local sports radio stations, and then Tuesday the top 20 original sports podcasts. So we've had the top 20 national sports radio shows, top 20 local morning shows, top 20 local midday shows, top 20 local afternoon shows, and the top 20 local radio programs. So those are things to keep an eye out for this week. So from all of us here at Full press coverage. I'm Ricky Keeler saying have a great day. Enjoy the Super Bowl. Stay safe. I'll see you back here next week to recap everything that went on in Super Bowl 55. Until then, enjoy everybody. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to. Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper, a woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver? I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, avoid, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus.